the lady in question here that you know that a pantheon is talking to with the shattered arm that that's like the uh uh that's like the astro militarum or just the guardsmen mm-hmm. just normal dudes like i you know normal dudes i i i got drafted and i went to war <laughs> for a dodge charger <laughs> yeah for a dodge charger <laughs> Uh, bard bard told me he turned me into a chime and now i'm here <laughs> like that's <laughs> welcome to casuals of Runeterra, episode 102 i'm your host ryan here with your other host edge what's up Let's we talk back. about some gods and then kill them. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we always? Let's start with housekeeping first. Though. Hold off. Hold off just a bit. Um, the housekeeping up top. You can listen to us everywhere. You can send emails to podcastcore. That's C-O-R at gmail.com. Visit us at podcastcore for all of our info. And then follow us on any platform that you prefer or all the platforms because that helps us and we appreciate it. Uh, Leave a like, a comment, a short review with your thoughts. Uh, But the easiest way is word of mouth. Tell at least one friend. We know you have at least one to remember her name by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. All right. And if we had an editor, this is where we would request to have like that image from The Simpsons where Homer changes his work desk. (laughs) To, with pictures of Maggie and says, do it for her. <laughs> yeah. And we do have don't, an editor, but I don't want to do it. So don't do it for us. Don't do it for us. Do it for her, guys. Do it for her. <laughs> yeah, so last episode, we talked about Pantheon. Obviously, we're hyped for that. It's a pretty long episode. Uh, this episode is going to be shorter because uh, we're getting some more Pantheon, and we're getting some Pantheon from his personal view. Um, and by personal, obviously, I mean first person. Uh, this is cool because Pantheon does see the world in a grandiose way, right? Everything is hyperbole. Everything is next level, which isn't too absurd for his character because of what he's gone through. <laughs> so it kind of makes sense. And it's interesting to get that perspective. Yeah. And the the only real negative is that if um, – and, and if you doubt me on this, go go and read the story and then, you know, just tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, it's kind of hard to keep up with. Yeah. Because sometimes it's it feels like Atreus talking. And then sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, oh, no, he's, he's now talking as Pantheon. And Pantheon is not – he is not speaking in terms that we can understand. I can't follow <laughs> what Pantheon's saying. <laughs> Exactly. Um, I was one, like, I consider myself a comprehensive reader, per se. And it took me a couple read-throughs of like, okay, wait, who's talking? What's going on? Wait, who's where in this scene? And we'll clarify that as we go through to try to keep you guys on track. Because that's, that's our job. That's why we're here. It's like, so, it's, so does that mean just the battlefield? Or are we talking like planet-wide? I, what, what's going on? <laughs> what's the scale of this comment? All, all I can say is that there are some days that I just wish I could be as dramatic as Pantheon. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's hop into it. The story is called For Those Who Have Fallen. And as always, a good story in three parts. We start with part one. So this story, once again, is in first person. It's from Pantheon's view. And we start with Pantheon landing like Superman in Shirima, uh, specifically 
Uh, oh, here we go. <laughs> As the precursor to all of our episodes, when there are names that are out there, we're going to try our best and then try to stick to it uh, so we don't confuse you. Here we have Narima Zeth. Narima Zeth. Yep. Narima Zeth. That's canon now. No one can take it from us. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. He lands in Narima Zeth, and there are around him soldiers, 50 of them specifically, and, and they're Sol- Solari warriors. Uh, from Mount Targon, and they're fighting. Uh, and they're known, once again, as the Raharak, which we've talked about in the past. Obviously, Ra, God of the Sun, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we've been there. Hail Talos. Um, it's taken three weeks. It's taken... Okay. This has been like an ongoing joke between me and Hedge for like a decade. For so. Well over a decade by now. <laughs> so it's taken them three weeks to get here. For Pantheon, he can essentially fly, right? <laughs> so it's cool. Um, but what they've been doing is they're investigating a growing power in the ruins. And this is obviously post-Runation. Um, insert number. I don't know which, <laughs> I don't know which one I, we're I at think, here. I think the Shuriman one was Ruination 3. I want to say that was Something Ruination like that. 3. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, I, if it's Ruination 3.0, that's in the chronological order of our episodes. Because I think if we go chronologically by like Runeterra timeline, it's Ruination 4. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of ruinations. Runeterra is not like the greatest place to just be like a normal civilian in. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> By no means. By no means. So uh, Narima Zeth is considered like the heart of Shrima at this point. This is where everything started. It's the motherland, quote unquote, for like humans. And this is where the first ascended were born, as you would know if you listen to all of our Shurima episodes, which you should do. We highly encourage it because it'll give you a lot of background and it gives you a great surprise later in the story. And we'd be great, very grateful for it too. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. Um, so after the Empire fell, these ascendants began to slowly go mad over their indefinite lifespans. You know, we talk about vampires and the concept of living forever, immortality, and what that does mentally to certain creatures. Um, and this is specifically referring to like, you know, Renekton, Nasus, Zareth, all the Sun Disc folk that we've talked about in the episodes before. Um, and there's a metric ton of details there. So yes, go listen to those episodes. Um, but some even become darkened. Now, this is new information. This is something we didn't know up until this point. I mean, we knew. You didn't know. <laughs> if you're listening right. to the episode, right. you didn't know. Yeah. As far as in the episodes of The Casuals of Runeterra, this is news. Um, but we're degenerates and we read way too much fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. so they can become darkened through other means, which we'll talk about later as well. Uh, and then they become trapped in the, well, some become trapped in weapons later weapons and tools um this takes us to part two where start stuff or things start to happen the battle's already begun that's going on pantheon can hear kind of familiar sounds of war and he's getting hyped up he's getting pumped he's like all right let's get in hearing this let's do something let's influence this and then there's these large magical blasts that are going everywhere and he sees this creature in the distance um, we have a quote here, uh, burning and broken like the empire it would rule. A shattered god has claimed this fallen city and would see it rise again. Uh, if you're familiar with this, spoilers, we'll give you five seconds. One, a two, it's a three. 
<laughs> we lied. It's only three. <laughs> uh, but but no, I I'm definitely kind of on board with the theory that it's Zareth here. Uh, not only off of the description of what this being looks like, because we know. Uh, again, you know, spoilers. We'll give you half a second. All right, and we know that with Zareth's ascension or him trying to take over from Azir's ascension is that it turned him into a being of energy that's kind of held together by the ruined parts of the sun disk. And the so that fits the description of what Pantheon's looking at now. And then we also have that line of burning and broken like the empire it would rule. And Zareth was very much a jealous uh, person that wanted to take the power of ancient Sharima as his own. So it kind of fits. We know that Zareth comes back and we know that Zareth is trying to rebuild as far as like as in his new form, rebuild a force that's loyal to him to build a new Shariman empire. So it all kind of fits together. The only thing that we don't know for cer certain is if we're right, because, I mean, Pantheon has no idea who Zareth is. Uh, Atreus is, you know, just a human. Yeah. Uh, the Pantheon at this point is dead, quote unquote. Um, and so, you know, Atreus is just looking at this like, yeah, rah, rah, rah let's fight. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's all we got. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the soldiers notice him. And Pantheon leaps into action with his weapons channeling the magic that we've talked about that he has left over from when it, when his body was taken over by Pantheon. Uh, he lunges, he absorbs one of the blasts from the creature, then he throws his spear and it strikes it to the ground, quote unquote, for now. At this point, he notices a woman who's injured. Her arm is injured from attempting to block one of his blasts from before, um, Zareth specifically. And she asks him, she's like, are you an aspect? And Pantheon doesn't really respond because remember, he's dramatic. and He's kind of in between worlds where, you know, Pantheon's gone, but he's taken Pantheon's name to give it true meaning. Um, and he's no longer Atreus. But you can't really explain that in three words. There's no elevator pitch for Pantheon's mental right now for this yeah. woman. So he just avoids it. Uh, he doesn't answer her. And he turns around to see the creature reemerging and tells them, oh, shit, I need help. You guys need to fight. Yeah, and, and I mean, and it makes sense that he doesn't answer anything here because how do you explain that you're the aspect of a god that doesn't exist anymore <laughs> because the kind of creatures that you're currently fighting killed the god but left me for dead? Uh, like there, there's a lot there's a lot there uh it is very interesting though here that uh you know that pantheon is you know looking to the raharak as far as for help because again like he's seeing this as far as zareth getting back up uh and he's calling to the only like towards the only person that he knows is alive which is this woman that's injured just trying to block a shot, trying to stay alive. And it's like, yeah, you guys help me. <laughs> I'd be like, bro, 
<laughs> Bro, I am not equipped for this. I'm not ready for this. You just called your spear back using using magic. I have a shattered arm. <laughs> Call someone else. Call technical support. And just a real quick, you know, to go back to like our Leona episode and talk about the Solari a little bit here. The main warrior contingent of the Raharak are a combination of like really strong ground troops, but also like space marine type troops as well. So there's a good blend there. Um, and this woman though is ordinary, right? A lot of the guys that are around him that are kind of struggling in this fight are just the ordinary humans. They're nothing compared to him. Um, we don't really know uh, how many of the space marine quote unquote guys they have with them. Yeah, especially since you're going to, you know, make me the happiest person ever and bring a bit of Warhammer into this. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, Pantheon would be like a space marine kind of guy. Yeah. Or maybe even like Custodes level. Uh, but, um, and, you know, you've got like Leona and Diana that would be like your space marine-esque people. Uh, the, the lady in question here that, you know, that a Pantheon is talking to with the shattered arm, that that's like the, uh, uh, that's like the Astro Militarum or just the guardsman. Mm-hmm. Normal dudes, like uh, I, you know, normal dudes. I, I, I got drafted, and I went to war <laughs> for a Dodge Charger. <laughs> yep, for a Dodge Charger. <laughs> uh, Bard, Bard told me he turned me into a chime, and now I'm here. <laughs> like that's, like that, that's, 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 that's who Pantheon's calling to right now. Just. Just so normal dudes, but I mean, we do know that the Raharak, as far yeah. as being normal dudes, they are more like Spartans, yeah. uh, like these, because that's what Atreus was training for. Like that's what he wanted to be before he became the Aspect. Is that you know part of the Raharak defending his the his lands, borders, and his villages? So these guys are trained for war. It's not like they, you know, have been sitting on their butts all day. Like they they are strong humans, but that's. All they are are humans. Exactly. Well put. I I gave you the layup there and you dunked it. Um, (laughs) So as he lunges towards the monster again, uh, he continues to yell fight. But this time his words are slightly tinged with magic. And we've talked about this in the past. Words are magic, especially in this universe. And it's one of our favorite parts of Runeterra that they actually were. They stipulate this a lot. Um, in different bios, if you listen to like our Annie episodes, if you listen to any magical based uh, creatures or characters, we tend to bring it up. And Pantheon is not removed from that because, once again, he inherited some, or he kept some of the powers from Pantheon. I know that's confusing because I said the same thing twice, but you know what I'm talking about at this point. <laughs> you get it. Yeah. Go listen to the other episode if that confused you. It'll Then it will become clear and then come back here. <laughs> <laughs> so that magical blast gets them into action, uh, but Zareth is having none of it as we know him well. Uh, and he starts blasting Pantheon as he's slashing and bashing at the Ascendant. And one massive attack actually pushes him back and it splits off into multiple directions, hitting the other soldiers and creating a devastating environment. Uh, Pantheon also starts to begin to feel despair at the dire situation. It's a lot more difficult than he thought it was. And this is starting to cause his magic to fade because his, you know, even though he doesn't believe in Pantheon, the powers that he retained from Pantheon require his own faith. Great concept, kind of confusing. (laughs) 
but yeah. and, and, and to chime in on that note, like mm-hmm. this is kind of the point where, uh, you know, I was speaking towards at the beginning of the episode where this is a little bit confusing because like, I'm interpreting this as that we're getting Pantheon in the fray, battling it out with Xerath, magically charging, like magically charging his weapons as mm-hmm. well as the area around him to lift the spirits of the Raharak. And then when he gets pushed back from the Xerath blast, the the Pantheon mindset is degrading while Atreus's human doubt is coming in. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, even though we haven't shifted out of the camera view of seeing the world through Pantheon's eyes, the narrator's changing. And, and it made, as far as a read, it makes it really confusing, but it does kind of help reinforce the fact that uh, Pantheon is kind of like a jacked up dude mentally because, yeah. you know, there is Atreus still in there and Atreus is fighting for humanity, but he's using the power of the aspect of Pantheon. And that's why, you know, all these pieces are kind of fuzzy almost because at times I'm still Atreus, but at other times Pantheon's back and he takes over. And this is one of those moments where Atreus is like coming back in. And that's why, you know, the morale for himself is kind of dwindling here because it's like, Oh crap. Uh, this, this thing could kill me. I might die here. And, uh, that that's where we we're kind of set at when we when when he picks his head back up and he kind of sees what's happening on the battlefield around him again. Exactly, and what he sees is Zerath is charging another massive blast. This was bigger than the last one that sent him to the ground in the first place, and everyone is scattered at this point. And the woman he just met earlier grabs his shield or grabs her shield, sorry, um, scrambles in front of him, and Pantheon's like. What's your name? And she says, Asos. And she turns her shield towards the blast. There's this brilliant light that shines, blinding, and then she's gone. Just dematerialized, <laughs> gone. We're, we're talking like some Dragon Ball Z-esque death here of just yeah. like, you know, shield up, facing the blast, and then the screen flashes white. The camera comes way out, like, you know, just... A uh, satellite view, and you get to see the explosion of where Asos was. <laughs> like, That—that's what happened to Asos here. She is dead. I mean, dead. Yeah. And, and this takes us to part three of the story now, uh, towards the end here, where Pantheon thinks he too is dead because she's gone. Nothing is like it's pretty much a blank space. He's kind of retreated into his mental and. The only thing that brings him back, which is a constant theme throughout some Pantheon stories, is the throbbing scar on his chest that proves I'm still human. Um, well, I'm not still human because I'm no longer Atreus. We're not going to do this. I'm not going to do this every time. We, yeah, yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll be here all day if we do that every time. <laughs> and he decided that woman sacrificed herself for him, and that's a chance for the soldiers to take down Zareth or else it would be in vain. So he finally rises to his feet alongside some of the surviving Raharak around him. He regains his resolve, and he simply yells, Asos! And the warriors respond in kind. It becomes this chant. Zerath begins building magic again, because that's what he does constantly. And then Pantheon's uh, spear and helm ignite uh, into the biggest flame it's been at this point, 
rushing with magic, and then the Rahara cast their spears, and he charges in behind them. And then we get a final quote here that says, and for a moment, a star a star lost with the constellation of war gleams brighter than the sun. Her name was Asos. And especially like coming off of Pantheon's biography, like this is the, like an absolutely beautiful way to wrap the story up here because the, like Atreus pushes on and even before he became the aspect what he was most well known for was his tenacity. And it's that tenacity that he then channeled into, you know, a hatred towards the gods that turn their back on humanity while also wanting to defend humanity in place of these failed gods. Mm-hmm. And like, this is just absolutely a perfect way to wrap the story up of, you know, the people that he is standing up and fighting for, they're now laying their lives down so that he can keep fighting in their name. So it's the push onwards is for a fallen brother, you know, well, in this case, sister, but it's yeah. for, you know, one of the fallen brothers. We're going to keep fighting for them. And that is reigniting a star in a lost constellation because we know from Pantheon's bio that the god of war, Pantheon, was represented as a constellation in the sky yeah. that disappeared when he got stabbed by Aatrox. So now that fighting spirit of humanity is reigniting the power of the god of war. Uh, so that like it's a beautiful poetic way of like ending this little story because we're getting to see how Atreus is like keeping the pantheon alive. Yeah. But it's also kind of terrifying because it's like a if he brings back more stars, does that mean Atreus is going to keep losing himself more and more? <laughs> because because like oh exactly if if that means pantheon's getting stronger. Atreus is going to have to take a back seat again, and then he's going to wake up with another sword through his chest and be like, damn it, not again. And this kind of takes us to like the post story um, that we want to chat about, you know, a little bit. We have a little bit of time here where, you know, we like to reference the MMO on the horizon, what stories we like to see, what things we'd like to see explored. And from my perspective, um, Hedge brought it up on his own as well. Uh, is Pantheon's mental state and the exploration of that. Because Pantheon is a character, it's pretty, you look at him, you read his bio, you you see you see the shapes and colors, you get it, a Spartan, right? But his story is so well done that his mental state and how he bounces between who he was, what he is now, and what he wants to become in the future without any like mental intervention from any professionals is a very uh, tightrope situation and where he can fall on either side of that rope uh, can be interesting, right? And that could be something that if you put that in the story, people aren't going to expect it. There adds so much more, there's so much depth to the character that they don't see on the surface when they're just looking at the shapes and colors that when you say, hey, we have a story where you interact with Pantheon, but it's him at a state where he's mentally teetering um, as he's becoming you know, more successful with killing gods and he's becoming more powerful and he's able to begin channeling the godlike presence, but he's technically immortal. Uh, What's happening there with his mental state and where can that push him with his decision-making in the future? And that's, I think that's cool. And in MMOs, you have the space to explore that. Yeah. Uh, Not to mention that like it, 
if you take uh, the opportunity to explore that a little bit, you could also make it a thing of a, as far as giving players the option of like choosing a faction, because we like that could be a side quest if you as the player decide to, you know, in some side missions, help the Raha Rock mm-hmm. and you're helping the Solari. So then you get to learn more about the followers of the Solari, but it's like, oh, I didn't get that storyline because I was helping the Lunari. Yeah. And then, you know, that gives you the ability to take like these stories, like learn more about Diana and about Aphelios. Whereas, you know, over here with the Solari, we're learning about Leona and Pantheon. Yeah. And so it gives like an MMO like has, that's the beauty of those kind of games is that the world, if the world's big enough, you players can have completely different experiences from each other, even though they're all playing the same game. Yep. Um, and it would be really fun because like, like doing that whole, that whole bit with Pantheon, like you could, you could take that in so many different directions of just like, you know, either have a direction where you are doing like this massive raid battle, um, because it's like a raid against a God Yeah. and you know, Pantheon's the one, like the quest giver for that. Or you could have like a side mission that is like the clowniest thing ever because Atreus is trying to take over the body again. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, we're going to stand and fight for these people. And as soon as you get over there, what are you doing here? We have to go fight this dark over here. (laughs) (laughs) And and like, just have like a bunch of like clown fiesta thing because it's like, this dude has his split personality. He's running me in circles. Yeah. Split personality characters with a good narrative backing for why they're that way. Um, That's not like just a natural bipolar um, disorder. It's cool. It's a cool way to play with this fantasy world. So that's just, you know, off the top. Once again, Riot, you have our number. Uh, you have our contact information. It's up top. Yes. That's usually where yeah. we put it. Yeah, just go listen to Housekeeping in any of our episodes. We have a lot of them that you can listen to for the housekeeping. <laughs> but with that, uh, thanks for sticking around as always. Uh, thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon with the next episode. Yeah, and take care, everybody. Do it for ASOS. <laughs> Do it for her. Do it for her.